0: Good morning. Before uh, before I begin, just a couple comments. Uh, we are absolutely grateful to God to be here. Uh, we are very excited. This is a, a new beginning for us as well. We're back in Lancaster County, where we have uh, where we came from many years ago, and uh, so we are overjoyed to be here. Excited to be your pastor. Uh, I love the church already. Uh, what do you call me? That's something that you probably should know. And uh, I, I, I'm not up with Reverend. If you want to call me Reverend, you you can. But I think I just prefer Pastor Jonathan. Uh, Reverend Shirk and uh, Reverend Jonathan sounds a bit formal. Uh, if your kids, if you want want them to show a bit of another level of respect, perhaps you you could tell them, Pastor Shirk, but uh, Pastor Jonathan's fine with me, and uh, you don't even always need to say, Pastor Jonathan, I will answer to that as well. Uh, One thing that's impressed me about Jerusalem Church, right from the beginning, is uh, how welcoming you have been and how helpful. Uh, This morning, Ed, I was looking for something, I'll get it, I'll get it, and so uh, I appreciate that Uh, very, very helpful attitude here and making us uh, feel at home. Uh, an update on our housing situation, we have put in two offers on uh, a house, one in Lidditz, which was declined, uh, and then uh, the one here in uh, Mannheim, it's just north of the high school on Red Rose Drive. We, we are waiting to hear back on whether that went through or not. Uh, Monday, it was a corporate buyout type of thing, and so we're waiting to hear. We offered it on uh, Friday a little too late, I think, for the uh, for them to look at it. So we're taken care of. We're staying with Christina's parents in Landisville, and uh, that's been a good uh, good thing for us. And so, but we are excited to to get into a house sometime as God uh, sees fit. So thank you uh, for welcoming us. It is good to be here, and uh, we'll see what God does through His Word. I don't usually use PowerPoint, but I wasn't able to finish. A sermon outline, so the PowerPoint hopefully will will be helpful, all right? Well, imagine that you're meeting me for the first time, and uh, it's just you and me, we're there, and you ask me, Jonathan, tell me a bit about your wife, and uh, and then I proceeded to answer you like this, drawing a blank, (laughs) drawing a blank, I'm not sure what to say, I've never really thought about what she was like. I think at that moment you'd probably be really concerned about me, uh, not only as pastor but as husband, uh, what is wrong with this guy? Um, The depth of affection I have for my wife is largely built upon the knowledge I have of her. Who she is, what she is like, I know and I like. What I want you to see is knowing God deeply fuels our confidence and joy in Him, Knowing God deeply fuels our confidence and joy in Him. A small view of God yields small confidence and joy. But a deep and profound view of God yields great confidence and joy. What God is like deeply influences our life. My sermon on April 7th was really the first in a series that I started Entitled Foundations, a series intended to clarify the foundation of this church and my preaching ministry here. I began with the glory of God. I said, The glory of God is the light of His perfection, the brightness of His character and worth, the severity and intensity of His nature, and we see the glory of God in His Son, Jesus Christ. God is glorious. Shining the supremacy of his nature, and we see his glory in Jesus Christ. I affirm that the purpose of God is the glory of God, that he exists to glorify himself and enjoy his glory forever. But why is God glorious? Uh, What about God fascinates God? What about God makes him supreme over everything else and worthy of all glory? So what we are looking to understand this morning is this. When the glory of God shines, what is God shining? So before we begin, let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your majesty, for your glory. We thank you that you are good. And we thank you that you are so beyond us. We cannot fully comprehend you, but God, you have Condescended through creation and special revelation, your word to communicate to us about yourself. And I pray that we pay attention. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. What is God like? What are his attributes, his qualities? How would you begin to describe God? Louis Burkhoff was a systematic theologian of the 20th century, a brilliant man, a prolific writer who taught at Calvin Theological Seminary. He wrote this, on the whole, it may be said that Scripture does not exalt one attribute of God at the expense of the others, but represents them as existing in perfect harmony in the divine being. I believe that is true. God is the perfection of all of His attributes. And each are equally divine. Now, it's really easy to place more value on certain characteristics of God, characteristics that we may perhaps feel are better than the others, and we need to be careful. We can't compartmentalize God or slice Him up to suit our own impressions of Him or what we want to be true of Him. Look at Romans one twenty closely. If you're not there, you can keep your Bibles open. Paul tells us that God's invisible attributes have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. How can visible, or invisible rather, attributes be clearly perceived? Well, the answer is given in verse 20, and it's the observable universe. God's invisible attributes shine in science, in hunting, in camping, in fishing, in walking the Appalachian Trail, God's invisible attributes shine in all of these things. When we marvel at the outdoors, we are being communicated to by the Almighty God. One of my favorite commentators, William Hendrickson, gives a helpful thought on this. He wrote, is it not true that physical eyes are unable to see God's invisible qualities? True. Yet while these eyes are observing the glories of the universe, which God created, the soul with its invisible eye is being deeply impressed. It clearly sees God's power displayed in the things that were made, that is, in God's works. John Calvin wrote, God is in himself invisible. But as his majesty shines forth in his works and in his creatures everywhere, men ought in these to acknowledge him, for they clearly set forth their maker. The point is this. God has communicated something about himself through the universe, and though his attributes are invisible, we can perceive their effects. I've chosen 10 attributes of God, not a complete list. But it will, it will help us, I believe, get a little closer to what God is like to somehow summarize, which is impossible to do, the uh, limitless God that we serve and what is so glorious about Him and what is so enjoyable about Him. Number one, God is spirit. God is not bound by body, blood, or bones, John 4.24 tells us God is spirit. Paul wrote in Colossians 1.15 that Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. Paul wrote to Timothy, to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God. Now God can manifest himself physically, and though Jesus Christ is the God-man, God nonetheless is spirit. I grew up playing golf not far from here at Evergreen Golf Course, little executive course that you might know of in Mannheim. And I even took a a few lessons there years ago from a guy named Ralph that was, uh, I guess he was the pro there, I'm not sure. Now, I'm not very good at golf, uh, but I did play in high school a little bit. and, And I do know this, that if there is a strong wind at your back, you can be transformed like this into a champion, at least for a couple shots. Um, You can reach greens at tremendous distances with a strong, stiff wind. Now, wind is invisible, but it it possesses this really mysterious carrying power of the ball that gets it to where you didn't think it, it could go. You can't see it, but it's there. It's powerful, and it's really helpful. Well, since God is not contained in a body... He is also not limited by the restrictions of a body. He is not aging or passing away or diminishing, nor is His mind decelerating in any way. He remains free to act for your greatest joy and His ultimate glory as only a spirit can act. You can't see Him, but He is with you. All earthly things will fail you because they are material. God is spirit. And he has always been. Number two, God is eternal. The advertisers tell us diamonds are forever. Yeah, until you lose your ring on the beach and you can't find it. They're not forever. (laughs) Nothing is timeless. Where is vanilla ice? Where is Donny Osmond? Where's the Chevy Chevelle? What about leg warmers? Poodle skirts, beehive hairdos, bobby socks, and saddle shoes. Where are these things? Nothing lasts. All things had a beginning. We are surrounded by fleeting and fading things. And why do we think that these fleeting pleasures will satisfy this God sized hole in our heart and in our soul? They can't. They frustrate us because they're all limited by time. In verse 20, Paul says, the power of God is eternal, implying that God also is eternal. Stephen Charnock, a prominent Puritan, wrote, his duration is as endless as his essence is boundless. God is outside of time. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God, when the beginning began, God was making it begin. God says in Revelation one eight, "I am the Alpha and the Omega, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty." Moses prayed before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Multiple scriptures refer to God as eternal, including Isaiah forty twenty eight. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. What do you trust most in life? I mean, what is your stability? Let's take friends for example. Friends are are an incredible source of encouragement and comfort and stability for us. You can trust a great friend, but... Each of our friends is limited by time. Their perspective is limited by time. Their promises and commitments are always conditioned by their time and availability. Friends move on. They grow up. They go off to college. They take jobs in other cities. Even the closest relationships change. Friends die. Even at the times when we think, I've really needed them. This is not good timing. Things change. Because all things are temporary and all things have a shelf life. God, on the other hand, is eternal. He was then, He is now, and He will be then. Friends begin and end. Possessions begin and end. Our lives begin and end. But God is always. Our hope is in everlasting God who exists beyond time and space. Well, God is not only timeless but supremely powerful. God is powerful. Verse 20 says, For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power. When we sit back and look at creation, it it impresses us. It moves us. By its immensity, its complexity, its design, and its beauty. Think of all the ways that we enjoy creation. Creation. And when we enjoy it, we are also enjoying the insurmountable power that put it all in place. The prophet Jeremiah told us, It is He who made the earth by His power, who established the world by His wisdom, and by His understanding stretched out the heavens. God did that. He is divinely able. He is divinely capable of infinite things. You've heard the song... For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And omnipotent is a good word for God. He is omni, all potent, powerful. He is omnipotent. He is all powerful. He has no restraints or limits. He accomplishes what He wants, when He wants, why He wants, and how He wants. This is what the Bible teaches. The songwriter of Psalm 115 Verse 3 sings, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. If God wants to do something, he has absolute power and absolute freedom to accomplish all that he desires. Well, in Jeremiah 32 verse 27, the great prophet writes, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Well, humanity is capable of amazing things. Amazing things. Did you know that the world record for the raw bench press without a weightlifting shirt is 722 pounds? That's, that's unbelievable. There are people who can take a Rubik's Cube, the three-by-three three old puzzle Rubik's Cube, study it, and blindfolded, solve it in less than 30 seconds. Um... In 1961, Leonid Ivanovich Rogotsov, a Russian doctor, performed an emergency appendectomy on himself and lived 39 years afterwards. Humanity is capable of amazing things, yet we are so limited. There's so much we just have no power to accomplish. Think of all the things that you would change in the world If you could just snap your finger, if you had power to do it, but we're less hopeless. Hopeless. We can't change it. Contrary to what we have heard about ourselves from our culture, we do not possess the power to change most things in our lives. They're simply out of our control. And when you ponder that for a little while, it will push you to fear and anxiety, maybe even despair, if. You are, n- are dependent upon something with limited power. But when you trust in God's boundless power, your human inability pushes you to trust Him. When you can't change it, when it's beyond your control, the only source of security is sovereign power. Do you trust God? Do you trust His divine ability to act for His glory and your highest joy? what no one else can do for you? If so, be comforted by that, that we are in the hands of an almighty God who controls all things, who has the power, unrivaled power. Give your anxieties to the Lord because He can handle them. Psalm fifty-five twenty-two 22 says, cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. What a promise that is for the righteous. God can deliver. 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves. It's It's a place of humility before God. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. A powerful God and a caring, loving God providing for you. Four, Number four, God is divine. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived. What Paul is saying in verse 20 is that God's invisible divine nature, His godness, is seen in His work of creation. Artistry and creativity are intangible things. You can't touch them. You can only see artistry and creativity expressed. Brilliant pain strokes on the canvas, uh, eloquent lines of a sonnet are expressions. They're visible manifestations of the invisible creativity of the artist. The godness of God, His divinity is expressed through the artistry of His creation. Several years ago, Christina and I were able to travel to Arizona and we were able to see the Grand Canyon. It's just a fantastic sight. And as you're sitting there taking in the immensity of what you're looking at, your mind can't even comprehend what it is you're looking at. I mean, it's just fantastic. 277 miles long and up to 18 miles wide at the widest points. It is 5,000 feet deep, just shy of a mile. I, just, I, I can't get that when I'm looking at it. And when we marvel at something like the Grand Canyon, we are in part seeing the expression of the divine nature of God. The joy of wondering at something like the Grand Canyon is only a small taste of the attribute of God's godness, His divinity. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Um, The Grand Canyon is not God. It was made by God. Pantheism believes that nature is equivalent with divinity. And Christianity believes that nature communicates divinity. Creation proclaims that God is God, the maker of heaven and earth. We were made for bigger things than the Grand Canyon. We were made for bigger things than the things that break and the things that have an expiration date on them. We were made to see and to savor and enjoy and delight in the divine. In fact, we were made in the image of God. The only way that you and I will ever truly be happy and content and at peace is when we worship God in the grandeur of His godness. God is spirit. God is eternal. God is power. And God is divine. This is what Paul says is communicated about God in creation. But this is certainly not all that there is to communicate about God. His attributes are much more. There are six other ones that I'd like to quickly highlight. Certainly not a complete list. There's a lot that I'm not saying, both by design and and by inadequacy. But hopefully we can see a little more clearly how great God is. We're going to move a little faster here. Along with the omnipotence or absolute power of God come two other important omnis. Number five, omnipresence. And number six, omniscience. So number five, God is everywhere. He is omnipresent. He is here. He is there. He is everywhere. He is unavoidable, unescapable, and undeniable. You can't outrun Him and you can't vacation from Him. He is there. David said in Psalm 139, 7 through 10, Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Proverbs 15.3 tells us the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Jeremiah the prophet wrote, can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? As a little child, one of the most frightening things that could happen is getting separated from your parents in a public place. You know, when, when, when we don't know where kids are, everybody's freaking out. Where are they? where are, you know and the kids crying and they're in the middle of the mall or whatever looking around it's terrifying for everybody just advance a few years and you'll find fully grown adults completely undone and terrified when the things that they trusted in are taken away what was so steady before It's gone, gone, no control. It makes us all undone. Money, employment, marriage, health. And by trusting in things that are not always there, we set ourselves up for at least disappointment, if not complete hopelessness. But the omnipresent God makes you a promise, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be there. I will walk with you through this. You are not alone. Now how can that be true with millions of people across the globe all at the same time making a promise I will always be with you. He makes the promise because He is there. One of the privileges of being everywhere is you also know everything. Number six, God is all-knowing. He is omniscient he is everywhere and sees everything. Nothing baffles or confuses God. He is not stumped or perplexed, nor does he get anything wrong or miss out. He has complete and comprehensive knowledge of all things because he sees all things in perfect clarity. Job thirty seven sixteen describes God as being perfect in knowledge. Psalm 147 5 says God's understanding is beyond measure. John told us in 1 John 3.20 that God knows everything. There is no need to worry. No need to become anxious. Sure, it's natural. But God is never surprised. He's not caught off guard. He never lacks for answers. He knows what you're going through. He knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. He knows your deepest desires. He also knows what you need most. He knows your struggles. He knows your sins. He knows where you're being unfaithful and where you have been unfaithful. And yet, He still cares for you. He still loves. He still pursues you by grace. He knows the answer to the question, Why did this happen? He knows the answer to the question, What is going to happen? Isn't it true that our anxiety and worry exist because we dwell on what we don't know? And fail to trust what we do. But when we trust in what we know. Namely God. We know He was firm. We know He is steady. We know He is unchanging. We know He knows all things. We experience a peace and a comfort. Rooted in the unshakable character of God. Number seven. God is personal. He is triune. He is three in one. God is relational. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect union and fellowship with each other. God is perfectly happy in Himself. Yet God invites us into a relationship with Him. To know Him and be known by Him. To love Him and to be loved by Him. Jesus prayed in John 17 that they may all be one just as You, Father, are in Me and I in You that they also may be in us. God provides everything we need in Himself by relating to us, by drawing us to Himself through grace, through Christ, into loving fellowship with the Trinity. God is truly personal. Number eight, God is unchangeable. He is immutable. He is not unfaithful, fickle, or capricious in any way. He never changes His mind. He never changes His will. He never changes His purpose. Joel Beek and Mark Jones note that God is what He always was and always will be. Numbers 23, verse 19, God is not man that He should lie, or a son of man that He should change His mind. Has He said and will He not do it? Or has He spoken and will He not fulfill it? Friends, God honors all of His promises all the time. Malachi 3:6 For I the Lord do not change. According to Hebrews 6:17, God has an unchangeable character of his purpose. James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote in James 1:17 that with the Father there is no variation or shadow due to change. And perhaps we've been around people who are constantly changing. And it gets you kind of throws you off a bit. God never changes. He won't mix it up on you. He's not going to present you as something different than what He did the day before. He is the fullness of His Godness all the time. He radiates His glory all the time. He is steady for you. You can trust Him. His word is sure. And I've heard it said that the only constant is change. Our lives are filled with change. Everywhere we look, there's change. Sometimes very uncomfortable change, even if it's necessary. How do we remain steady in the whirlwind of change? We trust in an unchanging God. Two more attributes. Number nine, God is sovereign. Did you know that the Bible refers to God as a despot? Probably not something you use in your prayer every day. All right. The Greek word used is despota, or sovereign lord and master. The word means someone who has complete power or authority over another. God is sovereign. Luke uses this exact word in Acts four twenty four, and when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, "Sovereign Lord." That's one word in the Greek, despota who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. God owns and rules everything and we couldn't trust him if he didn't. How could we trust God if he had an equal rival that could break in at any time and derail the plan of God? It's just only how you sleep at night with a God that is not all powerful and sovereign over all things. Think about the implications of a God who doesn't always win Uh, If you remember the show The A-Team, the main character was Hannibal and he used to say with a big stogie in his mouth, I love it when a plan comes together. Do you remember that? I don't know if you've ever seen that. God has a sovereign plan and it always works out according to his will and his desire. Last, number 10, God is holy. He is not like us. He is different He is separate, He is sacred, He is other, He is morally superior, He is matchlessly majestic and worthy of worship. R.C. Sproul said, there's only one attribute of God that is ever raised to the third degree of repetition in Scripture. And Sproul calls it the superlative degree, the highest degree. God is holy, holy, holy. Listen to the power of Isaiah 6, 1 through 3. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory the four living creatures of revelation 4 6 never cease to say holy 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 is the lord of hosts the whole earth i'm sorry i reverted back to isaiah Um, holy 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 is the lord god almighty who was and is and is to come that is our god We could go on to say that God is love, God is just, God is truth, God is patient, God is faithful, God is gracious, God is merciful, God is wrathful, and God is good, and we would be right to say it all, but how can you possibly summarize and characterize all of God? He is endless. If we are to savor and treasure God above all things, it would serve us well to know why God is superior above all things. Why delight in God more than all of the things of this earth? If you don't have a good answer to that, you will be consumed with the pleasures of this world. But when you know and when you are confident that God is better in this area, in this area, in this area, area, and I see his glory in this area, in this area, and he's communicating to me how much more worthy he is above everything else, then you start to get it. Then worship starts to happen. Then you start following Jesus Christ. And if we are to truly know him, we must know him as he truly is. Knowing God deeply fuels our confidence and joy in him. I want to treasure God together. Last thing that I'm going to do here, let's listen together to a section of the Westminster Confession of Faith. And as you listen, I want you to delight in this massive statement of our God. Listen to this. But there is but one only living and true God who is infinite in being and perfection. A most pure spirit, invisible, without body, parts, or passions. Immutable, immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, most wise, most holy, most free, most absolute, working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will for his own glory. Most loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him, and withal, most just and terrible in His judgments, hating all sin, and who will by no means clear the guilty that is our awesome God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are awesome, that you are uncontainable, that you cannot be described by mere words and yet you have been pleased to reveal to us these massive statements from your scripture, from your word, these statements about you and what you are and what you are like. I pray that as Jerusalem Church continues in faithfulness that we are able to give a defense of what our only an exclusive God is like. We serve you, God, the God of all gods, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, for you reign supreme over the universe and you call every single square inch of the universe yours. You own it because you made it. And God, I pray that we are all struck by your awesomeness. In Christ's name we pray, amen.